Halloween Ends is in theaters and streaming right now, but did it end up as one of my favorite Halloween movies? I let you know right now. This review is brought to you by Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review for Halloween Ends, which is the last movie in this trilogy of Halloween movies. But does anybody really believe it's the last actual Halloween movie? As you can probably tell from looking at my shirt, 1978's Halloween in particular is not just one of my favorite horror movies ever made. It is one of my favorite movies ever made. And I think that the sequels have varying degrees of ridiculousness. Some of them are more effective. Some of them are less effective. But I went into this really hoping that we could kind of turn that tide a little bit. I wasn't particularly impressed with 2018's Halloween. I really didn't like last year's Halloween Kills. But I thought, okay, well, they've got one more movie left. What are they going to do with this ending? And they certainly did some things. They took some very bold steps. And because of that, I'm going to divide this review into two different parts. The first part's going to be non-spoiler, so I'm not going to talk specifically about any of the story points in this movie. And the second part is going to be spoiler, because I feel like there are some things that I have to talk about when we're talking about this movie. And odds are, if you've seen Halloween Ends, then you're probably going to want to talk about those things too. So let's start, first of all, with the non-spoiler section. If you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. I'm not going to give away any major plot points here. Like the previous two films, Halloween Ends is directed by David Gordon Green, who co-wrote the screenplay with Danny McBride. Two additional writers were brought on for this movie as well. As was promised in 2018's Halloween initially, this movie is also advertised as the final showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. But the one thing that I will say is that whatever you think this movie is, it probably isn't. And it's definitely not what the trailers are selling this movie. At least it's not only that. I think you could actually make a case that Halloween Ends is actually about three different things and every act is sort of a different film in its own way. In a movie trilogy that I really thought should have been one movie, 2018's Halloween, I guess it's kind of fitting that the last movie in the trilogy is really three movies in one. Jamie Lee Curtis is back again as Laurie Strode, and the movie once again mystifyingly completely sidelines her for long stretches of the movie. I will say at the very least that she has way more to do in Halloween Ends than she did in Halloween Kills, where she was relegated to a high hospital room for most of the movie. We also catch up with Laurie's granddaughter, Allison, in the wake of her mother's death at the end of the previous film. Allison starts spending time with a local boy named Corey Cunningham, who's also experienced his fair share of tragedy in the wake of Michael Myers' last Halloween attacks in Haddonfield. And then, of course, there's Michael skulking around the shadows, as always, in search of his next victims. There's not much that I can say about the plot without spoiling where the movie goes, but as I alluded to earlier, it feels like they wanted to take this movie in several different directions directions, and instead of just picking one of them, they decided on all of them. There's one direction that's pretty much dead from the beginning. It's brought up early in the movie as a potential premise for the film, but then doesn't really go anywhere. There's one direction that's actually pretty daring, and even if you don't agree with it, I think you would probably find it interesting, and it's a direction that we're going in for a large part of this movie. And then the movie makes the abrupt decision to sort of go in the direction where a lot of people may be expecting it to go, 
which makes you feel like a lot of the previous time was completely wasted. I honestly don't know what the plan was, if any, for these three movies, because I've seen nothing in any of these subsequent Halloween sequels past 2018's film to justify doing more than one movie other than, of course, money. And if the motivation was really just to trick us all into spending more money on the Halloween franchise after it had very obviously run out of steam, I wish that Universal and Blumhouse and everyone else involved in the film had really just been a little bit more honest with us, because this big, hyped-up final showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers that has been the selling point of this franchise for the last four years, by the time we get to it, feels more like an obligation than a culmination. Jamie Lee Curtis, as always, is wonderful, although her character really bears little resemblance in this movie to her character in either of the first two, and honestly doesn't really stay very consistent in this movie either. Rowan Campbell as Corey Cunningham and Andy Matichek as Allison also get a healthy share of the spotlight in this movie. And honestly, any issues that I have with the film aren't really rooted in the performances. I think the performances are all pretty good in this film. I would have liked to have seen more Will Patton, who's somehow still alive in this third movie. He's in a little bit, but I would like to have seen more. But for me, this movie's struggles come down entirely to the creative choices that were made. And listen, when it comes to Michael Myers, Michael is Michael. He's a known quantity. You know what you're getting with him. But this movie isn't like any other Halloween movie that you've seen. A lot of times that's a pleasant surprise. But when you look at all the different pieces of this movie, you realize that they don't really fit together. They're all just kind of thrown onto the screen without any connective tissue. I'd honestly respect it a lot more if it had followed through on some of what I think are going to be its less popular story choices, but instead it can't even do that, and I think that this movie is destined to be another one of those horror films where 10% of the fans say that it's the best Halloween movie ever made, and 10% of the fans say that it's the worst Halloween movie ever made, and then 80% of the fans probably aren't going to think about it that much past this weekend. If this is indeed where Halloween, the franchise, ends, then I wish that the roadmap to this destination had been better planned out, because I don't think that it's a particularly great ending for the franchise. It could have very easily taken a different road and subverted what a lot of people were expecting, and probably alienated a lot of people, but produced a more interesting movie. I don't know who got in the way of that. I don't know if it was a corporate mandate. I don't know if the thought was just, well, we're going to push it, but not too far. But in the end, I think what you do is you make a more forgettable Halloween movie because nothing is really that memorable. So I will say, uh, before we get into the spoiler section, if you're going into this expecting the conventional Halloween movie, you're not going to get that. If you're going into this expecting a huge buildup to the Michael myers Laurie Strode final showdown, I guess you kind of get that, but that's not really what the movie's about, necessarily. But if you're going into it to see a different kind of Halloween movie, then I think that you're going to be somewhat surprised, because it certainly is different. It's really one of those movies that's hard to parse and talk about without going into specifics, so we're going to do that right now. I'm going to go into the spoiler section and talk a little bit more about the story of this film, where I think that it went wrong, and where I think some improvements could have been made, but I don't want to spoil anything for those of you that haven't seen the film, so this will be your spoiler warning. Past this point, there will be abundant Halloween end spoilers, so this is your last chance to jump out right now. So do you want to do it? Or you want me to? Okay, now that it's just us, let's talk about what the hell this story was all about, because it seemed to me that there were three different directions that the movie was interested in going. 
Number one is an exploration into Haddonfield and Michael Myers' evil and the fact that it infects all of the residents. And that's pretty much where the movie starts out with Laurie's voiceover and we see the people that have been killing each other and committing suicide. And I think it even plays to the death of the little kid at the beginning of this movie. That's a bold stroke right from the very beginning to kill a kid in the first five minutes of the film. That was an interesting road to go down. The idea that Michael Myers himself isn't the one that's perpetrating all of the evil in Haddonfield. It's it's kind of like dairy in it. It's something that just seeps into the consciousness. And I liked that concept, but they don't really do a whole lot more with it past the initial setup. The second direction, and the one that most of the movie was about, is the next Michael Myers. The idea that Corey, because of his trauma and because of the fact that people have been picking on him and won't let him get out from underneath this tragic accident, that the evil that was inside Michael Myers manifests inside of him and really through the cruelty of Haddonfield's residents, the greatest evil that the town has ever seen is reborn. Now, this is a bold strategy because it means that you are not bringing the Michael Myers that people know the guy that's on this shirt on screen. But for a lot of the movie, I was kind of sitting there with my jaw kind of half dropped open, but also kind of going like, okay, you know what? I kind of respect what you're doing here. I don't know if it's going to work, but I respect it. But then you have the third direction, and it's the one that most people are expecting this movie to go, which is old man Michael Myers is back. He's got the mask on. He's killing people with the knife. He's coming for Lori, and then they're going to fight each other until one or both of them are dead. And that's ultimately the direction that the movie decides to go in. Now, there was a fourth direction that I thought the movie was going to be headed, which is this natural-born killers type story where we have Allison and Corey together doing murders throughout Haddonfield. And I was kind of under the assumption that that's where we were going because it seemed so obvious by the middle of the movie that Corey had become an absolute psychopath that I figured the only reason that Allison would be anywhere near him was because she too had been sort of transformed by her trauma and that they were going to both become Michael Myers. And again, that's a very divisive strategy, but it's an interesting one. Just burn it all to the ground. There were a couple of points where I thought that we were going to commit to this new direction and Corey was just going to become the new Michael Myers. The first one was really his interactions with Michael at the very beginning in that pipe and that sewer. I thought for a while that Michael wasn't actually really down there, that he was a manifestation inside Corey's mind and this sort of almost like not really psychic, but this mental handover of Michael's legacy to Corey. And now he picks up the knife and he becomes Michael Myers. But then it became obvious that Michael was actually down there. Then I thought that when Corey went to go get Michael's mask, that he was going to kill Michael Myers. And then again, he would become the new Michael. But both times they didn't go in that direction. And really just, they kind of became like weird buddies. Like they were partners in murder. Again, when Corey was killing the doctor, I thought, that inside the house was going to be Allison, who was going to kill the nurse, and we're going to go in that direction. But I guess Michael was just kind of following Corey around and was like, hey, don't worry about it, bro. You get locked out. I got it handled. I'll kill the nurse. You take care of the doctor. We'll meet up and have some pie later. It really does feel like at one point, the four writers of this movie turned in a Michael Myers-less script, and somebody read it and got to the last page and was like, wait a minute. You can't do that. There's no Michael Myers in here. And they tried to explain, you know, the metaphor and the idea of evil, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. listen, give me the old man in the mask. I want him to get into a fight with Jamie Lee Curtis. That's what people want. Go back, rewrite it. Bring it to me by 8 a.m. tomorrow. And that's pretty much what they did. 
Because if the buildup for all of these movies was going to be the third act that we got, which is Michael Myers shows up at Laurie's house, she bleeds him dry, pins him to the table with the fridge, the whole town puts Michael on top of the car, they take him down to the car yard and they crush him in the auto parts thing. If that's where we were going this entire time, then why couldn't you just do that in 2018's Halloween? It seemed like there was like an attempt to try to create some kind of through line through these movies, but it didn't really work. And it just felt like we had two acts of a movie in 2018 and then a waste of a third act, a waste of a whole movie, a really weird diversion for two acts. And then the third act in this movie that we should have gotten four years ago. And I, and I just don't really understand the reasoning behind it unless it was, of course, again, money. And even when you think about it, the idea of having someone be the killer throughout most of the movie only for the real killer to show up in the third act isn't really that original inside of the horror genre. They did it in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. They did it in Jason Goes to Hell. Now, I think this is the best execution of that particular premise because I think it was the most well-written and the most well-acted and had the most well-rounded characters. I thought that Corey was actually a somewhat sympathetic character. I understood why he was doing what he was doing, but it was just a complete waste of an idea. I think the thing that really sucks the most for me is we are out of tries, in my opinion, to bring Jamie Lee Curtis back to the Halloween franchise, to wipe away all of the franchise mythology that came before, and to do this last stand between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And I was all primed for it back in 2018, and I think they laid some great groundwork in that movie. Laurie being a recluse and prepping her entire life to fight Michael one more time and all those traps that she laid. Like, that movie was really set up to be that final showdown. And really, until the last 10 or 15 minutes of it, I think that that was where they were headed, and I liked where they were headed. But I don't think we get another crack at this. I, I don't think you bring Jamie Lee Curtis back again. I think this is all we're going to get as far as Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And in my mind, I thought that they did it okay back in Halloween H2O. And then, of course, immediately undid it in the next film. And here, I think that it was so long delayed that any impact that it might have had is completely blunted. And I do feel like we have now missed this opportunity. It really was a one-shot opportunity at nailing this story between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. And instead, it got polluted with all of the evil in Haddonfield, evil dies tonight, Anthony Michael Hall, hospital chasing the wrong mental patient. Evil dies tonight! Evil dies tonight! All right, everybody. Evil dies tonight! Everything that's been in these last two movies completely dilutes the power and the impact of what could have been. So ultimately, when I look back on these three movies, it is going to be really as a letdown, as movies that had some great set pieces, some great kills, some really strong performances, especially from Jamie Lee Curtis, some interesting character pieces and arcs when you take them out of the overall uh, mythology of the movie or the overall story of each movie. But really, when it comes down to it, just an unfocused mess of a trilogy I really don't have any desire to see any more Halloween movies ever, I'm sorry to say, at this point. I think we have riffed on them as much as we could have done. We've done the original sequels. We've done two versions of retcon sequels. We did the Rob Zombie versions, which is like a departure uh, from the original way of telling the story. I really don't think there's any other way for us to remix Halloween. You need to get the hell out of here. Go on, scoop. Really, I think at this point, it is time for Michael Myers to pass into myth and legend, or to put it another way, evil died tonight. And I think it's time to let evil rest in peace for 7 to 12 years until we reboot the franchise again.
So those are my thoughts on Halloween Kills, both non-spoiler and spoiler. What did you think of the movie? Are you heading out to the theater to see it? Did you watch it already on Peacock? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, Mint Mobile. How many times have you been to a big wireless provider and had them promise you the moon only to find out later on that it was too good to be true? That, every time, right? That's pretty much their MO. So when I heard that Mint Mobile was offering great wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, my thought was, well, what's the catch? But it turns out there's not one. Mint Mobile's secret is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. That's right, they cut out the cost of retail stores and they're passing those sweet savings directly to you. For anybody who hates their phone bill, and that's everyone, right? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month and gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network and you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com Merle. That's mintmobile.com Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Merle. Thanks to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this video and thank you for watching. I'll be back later on this week with more reviews. I'm gonna be looking at Amazon's Rings of Power as it wraps up its first season and a lot of other stuff. I'll be back next week to talk box office and movie news, anything that you could really want. You never know when I'm gonna pop up here on the channel. Thank you so much. Until next time, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye. Evil dies tonight! <laughs>